I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Today, I have a true prophet on the show, and she's a young prophet, and I've been friends with her for many years, and when I use the prophet term, I never use it lightly, and it's not just a title or a label for a function in someone's ministry, but she actually has this incredible back history where she grew up in the middle of nowhere in Alaska with her family, and they just, they traveled from, you know, island to island on boats and were fishermen people and just didn't, you know, didn't have power and water in a lot of the places they lived, had a lot of wild animal pets. And when she's around 16 years old, she took a journey into the mainland, so to speak, in the bigger, the bigger town in Alaska, and just ended up connecting to a church that uh, really mentored her, but she also mentored them because her prophetic gifting was so strong and it, it just helped shape environments that she's in. And uh, I hope she shares some of that today on the show, but uh, over the years, she's done a you know stint at Morningstar in their school, and then she was, uh, I was part of ministry that she was a part of for a couple of years, and we became really close friends. I think over 15 years ago, I'll ask her on the show. But then uh, she ended up joining YWAM, Youth with a Mission, which is the largest missions movement in history, to send on missionaries, and and they're uh, they're very mainstream evangelical. They have a charismatic side. God spoke to them and initiated them, but they wouldn't be seen as an extremely charismatic Pentecostal ministry. I think they would be seen as you know charismatic light maybe at, before at this point. But I think they're going after things now with full assignments and mandates again that are incredible. Like I mean, just their leadership team has always been phenomenal but talk about where they're at now. It's just incredible. If you've never heard of them, you're going to really enjoy Amy because she's a great representative of who they are. But she and a group of people started a Fire and Fragrance DTS. So when you go to YOM, you go through a discipleship training school and then you go on the field. So you go somewhere like locally at a base and then you go and do a mission service. And so they started one that's called Fire and Fragrance, which is one of the best ones that is in the entire YOM world. It really gives the, the such a pure identity and such a pure passion. And Amy and Andy and all the ones who lead Fire and Fragrance literally have some of the most organic, true, Jesus people type DNA I've ever met in my entire life. They're just like the, the dream team of people. And uh, so Amy, you know, we've we've known each other, like I said, for years. And I've, I've wanted to have her on Exploring the Prophetic for a while. She's always traveling, but I'm glad we finally got her. And her stories, seriously... Because she sees things in the spirit, like in an abnormal way, it reminds me of the late, great Bob Jones, where she sees angels and demons. She sees things about people's lives, things over countries and nations and regions and people groups and spheres. And her language, when she gives it, it actually changes the perception of the people who hear it and actually gives them tools on how to bring God's plan and God's will in areas that have been oppressed or areas that are being blessed. It multiplies the blessing. And I love that, the effect of what happens when a true prophet is around you. And Amy's not one of the most well-known prophets of our generation because she has given herself to service in this group YWAM. And she's just she's okay with uh, the level of reputation and the level of uh, influence that she has in the context of where she's at. 
And I think it's so beautiful because the type of gift she has, I think is one in a billion. I, I really do think she's that significant in our generation. And luckily she's young, so we'll hear from her for a long time in her lifetime. But I hope you really enjoy Amy's time with us on the Exploring the Prophetic. And that inspires you, even if you're not a prophet or you don't you know, see or you're not, that, that you hear from someone like this and it helps to give you faith and it adds a measure of, uh, even comfort that God's raising people like Amy up in our midst, which is so beautiful. In the midst of this, I just used the word midst twice. I love it. Uh, we have just one of our uh, product we want to introduce you to right before we get into the interview. So please listen. Have you ever thought about developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge? Well, I have an eight-week e-course on this called God's Secrets, and this is developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge. And I'm going to take you through teaching, activations, impartations, even quizzes to understand what words of knowledge are and how to have a biblical-based approach to applying these in your everyday life. I want to encourage you, download it now. You can do it online at your convenience over eight weeks. And it's going to change the way you think about the prophetic. Go to bowlsministries.com or www.courses.bowlsministries.com. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together. Oh, exploring the prophetic is going to be a good one today because I have one of my favorite people, Amy Ward, who's been one of my close friends for, I don't know how long we've been friends. I mean, it's been like, how many years have we known each other? What year did we meet each other, Amy? No, I don't know, but I think it's been over 15 now. Oh, it has to be. It's amazing. And we, we've been tracking with each other's journeys. We've both, you know, been through a lot of journeying, a lot of journeying. <laughs> but welcome. Well, I'm so glad to have you. Thank you. And you're just getting back from somewhere. You said Norway? Yeah. So Amy, uh, like I said in her bio, is a world traveler, especially through YWAM. And every time I talk to you, you're getting back from some exotic place and you're always, you're always traveling. <laughs> it feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you're based in Hawaii. You're based at the Kona base for YWAM with your husband, Philip, yes. who I love with all my heart. And uh, you guys, I mean, you have one of the most unique stories and <laughs> we don't have time to get into the, your whole backstory, but I love that they could make a whole television show about your family. And how you guys grew up in Alaska, sort of pioneering, you know, in the wilds. And I mean, I remember like you didn't even leave really to go to like a real town to what you were 16. Yeah. I mean, I know you visited towns, but I'm just saying as far as like going into civilization, so to speak, which I think is yeah, so cool. Yeah, for the most part. And God developed this. I mean, from the time you were little, you were a seer. You could see things in the spirit. You heard from God and we're exploring the prophetic on this uh, podcast. And I think you're such a perfect person for, I know I've said this introduction, but you're, you're literally to me, someone who God's raising up to be one of the seers of our generation, especially for people, leaders, influencers of culture, people in the church, like you've given words that have caused real movement to, to be formulated by, and it reminds me of our friend, Bob Jones, which is really interesting because, uh, you know, 15 years ago, you and I were talking about like, people like Bob Jones and just like, Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. And now I feel like God, you're emerging as this like voice and several movements where you people like I listen to you. I, I, what you say, I, it's so like you've transitioned Sheree and I 
now twice and then me individually at least twice because of the words you've given, which is so profound. So I know I'm talking a lot, but I want to, I want to turn it back over to you, but I want people to have a foundation that we don't always have like a true prophet on the show. A lot of times we have people who are in the entertainment industry or business or even ministers who are talking about the prophetic, but I really feel that people have so much to learn from you because of your just this absolutely normal person who loves Jesus, loves people, but God consistently chooses to use you to speak so clearly to other people. So let's go on a journey of stories. How did that start for you in the sense of the prophetic? And I know we don't have a lot of time to do the origin story, but I want to give a little bit of insight to our listeners. Yeah, totally. Um, for me, I mean, I think I was looking back on my life. I think I was born um, with a prophetic gifting. I see your gifting, but it really didn't, I didn't, wasn't aware of it until I was 16. So um, I had a dramatic encounter with the Lord where he really set me free from about five, six years of torment from the time I was about 10 to 16. And I thought I was insane and had no idea that it was the demonic because I had no reference point for something like that. And so um, a little after 16th birthday, uh, the Lord dramatically set me free from suicide and uh, death and depression and all of this in a tiny little church in Alaska. And uh, within a couple weeks of that, um, it was like, Literally, it was like all the lights came on at once to where I went from having no idea to being completely overwhelmed because everywhere I looked, I just saw a revelation to, you know, the demonic, the activity over people, you know, I had no, but I had no reference point. I'd never heard of it until I realized that this was what was going on. My pastor explained it to me. <laughs> I know, and it's wild because, I mean, just knowing you're growing up in remote places and your family would have no ability to understand or relate to that at all or connect to the fact that there's spiritual activity going on. And then you have no other, there's, the internet's not like a big deal then. And so you have no other reference point at all, which is one of my favorite things about you because you you have talked to, and we've talked for hours and hours and hours about so many spiritual things that you're on the same page as as people who've been in the middle of you know church world for their whole lives and you, like I met you 15 years ago, and we were both really green still, and you still had this advancement from God because you were born for something, that it doesn't matter where you come from or where you're, you know, where you start out, God just makes up time and makes up connection no matter what. But I mean, it, this might also encourage some parents though, who's, if they have kids who are being tormented, that part of that could be the enemy coming and trying to um, steal their calling and steal, like they have a prophetic calling and, and they don't realize it. Completely. Yes, I would agree. I see that a lot. And you, yeah, you for sure. Well, let's go into more of a model. I just wanted people to hear a little bit about your backstory. Since then, you've been, you've traveled the world many times and you've been a part of a lot of different ministries, but most notably YWAM. And you joined Youth with a Mission and you and Andy Bird and a couple other people began to see something different emerging. And you actually had an encounter that birthed a new ministry within YWAM. Let's talk about that. Yes. So, you know, prior to this encounter that I had in 2010, you know, as a seer, I have the ability at times to see into the spirit world as though it's very real. So I can tell you in the room, you know, where angels might be or, you know, what God's doing. But I, up until that point, I'd never had a patient that was actually in the natural. And so this patient that was full in the natural and I was here living in Kona at the time um, I was I wasn't married yet it was in 2010 and it was just kind of like a normal day and I actually you know just kind of heard the still small voice of God saying hey Amy I want to talk to you which in my world that's just kind of 
you know, he's going to tell me he loves me. I mean, I'm not, I don't have any <laughs> type of thing to think something wild is going to happen. It's just walking with God. And so I went home and I was in my room um, just kind of praying, asking the Lord what he wanted to say. And the atmosphere in the room completely changed. I mean, it was like an instant, complete change. And I look up and there's an angel in the natural standing next to my... Wow. It's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I always say this because I used to, you know, be tormented. I said, I'm telling you what, angels are way more scary than any demon I've ever seen or encountered. <laughs> That's <laughs> ever. so awesome. This, it's terrifying and amazing. All, But um, and the angel's dressed in old clothing, um, like old, like I say, colonial clothing, a messenger bag on. He's probably, oh, he's probably low over six feet tall. And the angel actually spoke out loud. Um, audibly and he said I represent a people that will ride through the night to declare and prepare the way of a revolution that will lead to a reformation um, and as I'm hearing him say this in my spirit I hear the name Paul Revere though the angel wasn't Paul Revere he was dressed like Paul Revere who was in a character in American history that had to do with the Revolutionary War that actually wow. rode through the night kind of sounding an alarm um and then the next thing is that i'm sitting i'm there it's like i'm taken out of the room and i'm somewhere else and i see the statue of a man on a horse um and i just see this happening and then i see these lines of fire crisscrossing america and going into other nations and a phrase appears above in the sky and it says fiery-eyed revivalist and um I'm back in my room and the angel's still standing there and he starts to speak again and he says that he has um, messages in this bag that's about the release of the glory of God and there he was going to give them to people to sound an alarm of an awakening and then the next thing he says the Lord was going to release his circuit riders again um, and and then he said a few more things but then he said you'll understand more of this later and he disappears. And uh, in that moment, you know, you're like, oh, Jesus, oh, God, oh, Jesus, oh, God. I mean, wow. you're kind of trying to um, sort of get yourself together. And so I have, I mean, I'm shaken to the core, but I go into my other room still just trembling under just the presence of God that was there. And I, I Google in my computer, I type in Paul Revere, though I remember it from history class. But the thing that comes across my screen, the first headline that pops up was the messenger of the revolution. And... Mm. Um, you know, the word angel means messenger, and he said, I represent those, you know. So I knew right away this was something. And, uh, you know, we weighed and tested this over, you know, some time. I told Andy Bird the next day, who I worked with, weighed and tested it over some time. And then um, asking God, is this really you, not knowing fully what to do with it yet. But then on October um, 25th of 2010, I didn't live in Los Angeles yet. And I actually was doing a um, a conference with Stacy Campbell and it was where I met Kale for the first time and um, I finished it up in Bakersfield and I was driving into Los Angeles have no reference point again I don't live there um, I have you know I have you know you but you don't I don't think you I don't remember if, if you lived there in 2010 or not but um, I do. I I'm okay so I'm driving into LA to meet with a, a YWAM team that was on an outreach and I'm just driving down the highway there from Bakersfield to LA and I look over in the passenger seat and the angel appears in the passenger wow. seat of the car 
full on exactly looks the same and he holds up a brown looking cloak and he said the mantle of the circuit riders is coming on the circuit riders again and he said out of Los Angeles, California a movement will happen that will sweep across America and into other nations and he named a few more key people and a few things and then he disappeared and as I drive into LA I'm like God have I just lost my mind I mean like did an angel really just appear in the passenger seat you know I'm like you know you're just kind of reeling from it all and I had a team there and they knew a little bit about the first encounter and and I'm standing there's 45 minutes later and I'm like God is this really you and I look up and literally there's a little boy standing in front of me and on the front of his shirt it says Paul Revere and there's a horse and a rider um, <laughs> Yep. And I took a picture of him. I asked his mom, can I take a picture? I just really like the look of your kid's shirt, you know, kind of don't want to be a creeper. But um, <laughs> And then uh, at the exact same time, I get a text, uh, text message from a team that's standing in North End, Boston, Massachusetts, at the statue of Paul Revere, wow. saying, look where we're standing right now, praying for the release of circuit riders across America. And so that was in 2010, and we just kept waiting and testing it, and we felt like God was speaking to us that through this word, it's the circuit writers, um, if you study just revival history, they're a group of people that really were um, crisscrossing America and Europe, preaching the simple gospel of Jesus that then later led to the Methodist movement. But really the core of it going, okay, God, what are you saying, is that we believe that he was raising up a generation again to preach the simple gospel, and that America was hungry for the simple gospel again. And so God spoke that about 300 were going to come. We ran a school in Kona, and we just said, we'll just train people in the simple gospel, not really sure what will happen. And God spoke to us that 300 would probably come to our first school and the way that we run here in Kona because we're the University of the Nations is on semesters and so you can't choose which day your school starts it just starts however the calendar falls for the school year well the uh, arrival day for that next summer was one year to the day that the angels showed up at my house and a wow. Gideon's army of about 300 show up to Kona wow. and uh we train them for five weeks, and then we go to Los Angeles to Huntington Beach, where some of the original Jesus movement, and we just went for it. It was about 300 people, and it was astounding what we began to see. Um, we got a tent across from the pier at Huntington Beach, baptizing them in the ocean, and just saw God move. And we thought we were done, and then the Lord said, nope. And so the next year, we ran five, and then since then, it's turned into a movement where we've done training all over the world. I don't even know how many people, but thousands upon thousands of people trained preaching the simple gospel and it's even turned into more of that where really the primary ministry of the circuit writers in America is they're on university campuses. We have teams that go out of Huntington Beach and so it's been just astounding. I mean no one could have ever imagined that that angelic visitation would have been a catalyst for something that it's really turned into. Yeah and it's amazing because I was just with Andy Bird uh, who's your partner in crime and all this and uh, who's who's helping to facilitate through Fire and Fragrance and Circuit Riders and YWAM. I was with them at Brian Barcelona's event here, which Brian Barcelona, for those of you who are listening, is running on campuses in secular high schools. He's seeing a breakout of thousands of students coming to Jesus during public assemblies, during Bible clubs that they start, all these things. So they have like Bible clubs in some of the hardest campuses in L.A., that have two or 300 kids in them. Sometimes I think one has 700 kids in it. And Andy was teaching and he was sharing about some of this in a different way. And I just thought how cool that Andy's getting this opportunity to share at this event where all these people who are going after campuses 
are sharing about how do you do this outreach? How do you reach these people? And I just thought of Andy 12 years ago or so when I met him, I just thought what a difference, like even of the opportunity that you have, that Andy has, that you guys are carrying this prophetic message and it's caused this opening inside of avenues that you would have never been dreaming about before. But now we're seeing a move of, you know, 10,000 students on campuses in the Southern California. And, and, and Andy was speaking right in the middle of that as a spiritual father to these people who are leading it. It was so beautiful. And I just thought how cool full, full circle moment, as far as being an inspiration to this movement of seeing evangelism. And now the send is coming and the send is an event that call uh, that Lou Engel from the call. And then you guys with circuit rise and fire and fragrance are putting on together and hosting a lot of people like Daniel Kalinde and Michael Kulianos and Todd White and all these other evangelists. You guys are doing an event in February to send people for mass evangelism. And especially after Billy Graham died to just believe that a generation now is going to inherit that mantle. But what are you seeing about that? What are you seeing about kind of the, the phase you guys are at in the sense of releasing evangelists and circuit riders and youth with a mission and the whole thing? Well, yeah, um, you know, a year ago, God sent me and uh, my husband, Philip, back here to Kona and really have had just the opportunity to walk really quite closely alongside the founders of Youth with a Mission, Lauren Darling Cunningham, which has just been amazing. And kind of, you know, do being a bridge between some different things. And I would say that, you know, even in talking to them, is that we are in a massive moment of unity in the body of Christ that yeah. we have really not experienced since I've been a part of this, where we're all just centering around the Great Commission, around, you know, I mean, it just, we're we're in a completely different time than we've ever been, and it's so exciting. So even Andy kind of being the spearhead of this, you know, this thing with the sin, you know, being a part of Azusa now, now moving into this, it just, it just seems such a joy, and it's like, the hard part isn't trying to be in unity anymore like that seems like the easy part now yeah. it's just we're all starting to focus towards the same goals with you know different expressions and different streams but there just seems to really be a focus around a mission sending movement out of america you know into the nations and it's exciting i agree I, and i think it's interesting because i remember when you first told me you were going to ywam so many years ago and I was like, it was almost like a pinball machine, like tilt went off. I mean, it wasn't negative at all, but it's kind of like a, huh? Because of just the church, I feel like is, is not very present in the missions movement. But a lot of missionaries don't even have, you know, a massive movement that sent them. It's usually like a little local church somewhere. And I just was like thinking, why, why, why you're going to YWAM? And the prophetic, you don't ever see that in the, the missions world hardly at all. You know, like I just, I know so many missionaries, especially because I do a lot of mission stuff too around the world when we have teams all over in war zones and whatever. And I'm just like, you don't, the prophetic and prophets aren't usually front and center in the missions movement. It's kind of like me going to Hollywood and people are going, what are you doing going to Los Angeles to Hollywood? And I remember just going, this is so cool. Like, this is so amazing. You're going to YWAM. I was really worried, like, will they understand you when you get there? Not only did they, but God has given you encounters that have really helped shape this this current iteration of YWAM. It's been, I mean, I've talked to the leaders of YWAM several times and just about you, like, what do you think about Amy? And it's just like, there's stories about you and how you've helped to have just key invitations to the movement have been so beautiful. And I love how God sent you as a prophet to the missions movement. I just, not just to YWAM, but just to mission, you know, missions movements around the world. But how did that happen? Like, how do you think that, you know, like, how did that start? 
You know, it's funny, I, I remember this so well, is that, you know, I mean, you being one of my close friends, I remember asking you to pray into this when I was making this decision. And, you know, I was, you know, as with my gifting, oftentimes, you know, you end up in the world of conferences and, you know, traveling itinerant and holding different events, which is amazing. And that's what I was preparing to do just with who I was and who my friends were. And I remember the day I'm actually driving in the middle of Canada, I think, and I hear the Lord speak to me. And he says, Amy, I'm about to move in, in youth with a mission. He says, I'm about to release a wave. And I didn't know that the founding word that um, Lauren Cunningham had when he was a young man was about a wave of missions. And he says, massive and it's millions of young people coming from everywhere, going everywhere into the nations. And I didn't find out until later that that was the encounter that led to wow. one of now the, one of the largest missions movements in the world. And so as I just asked the Lord, what do you mean by this? You know, he really just spoke to me that he was calling me into this. And as you said, you know, when I first got here, of course, you have to build relationship before there's trust. And I had to learn how, this is the thing about the prophetic, is that I'm a seer and I'm also kind of, you would call a mystic. And so one of the, the greatest trainings of my life, and you understand this well, was to be able to give prophetic words and, um, you know, release the anointing without being weird. Yeah. And... That's the thing that I found that it was a very different learning curve, and I would have not even put myself in the category of I'm not an eccentric person, so I'm actually quite normal in how I operate day to day. But I had to learn how to be able to speak to every nation, every tribe and tongue in a sense, because of the nature of what I do and who I'm with. Is I'm with so I'm with all the spheres, all seven spheres. I'm with all nations. I'm with so many um, denominations, and so. Yeah, in some ways, people would think that I maybe let go of something, but I have found that my authority has increased in the totally. prophetic, though maybe the eccentricness of it has decreased, but it was because of what God was calling me into. And I always say what I thought was the worst career move of my life ended up fulfilling my destiny because as a young child, I have this word that I'm going to go to nations. And when you're from the middle of the wilderness of Alaska with no running water and electricity, you can't even comprehend that, you know? That's so so true. And oh. I realized, you know, as I was then received and even, you know, as the founders and, and leaders in this mission have actually publicly said, you know, Amy is a prophet in our mission, we receive her, and that has been accepted I realized that I have now access to so many streams that I would have never had had I stayed where I was before. Not that it was nothing wrong with it. It's just that God's wisdom led me into missions, which then opened more doors than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And you've brought so much, I think, credibility back into everyone's hunger and curiosity for the prophetic in that movement. And I think you're such a picture of God sending people who are who are extraordinarily gifted and I know you don't like it when I say that but you are in uh who he's bringing back into movements all over the world that have these incredible DNAs and they have this incredible makeups but they need they need prophets they need prophetic voices and I feel like why I I mean I love the Dawsons I love the Cunninghams I love the Brants I love the Birds these are all leaders of YWAM that I'm mentioning for those of you who have never heard those names but I love what Joy Dawson is using now after I get down from the stage, prophesying over a bunch of people. Uh, she's like, I love this. I'm so hungry for more. And, you know, one of this, these older pioneers of this whole movement of missions in the world right now, you know, I mean, there's no one who's done as much as YWAM in the mission field, except for maybe Campus Crusade for Christ. 
in our generation. And it's just so amazing to watch what's happened. And they're hungry. I just love to see that hunger. And I immediately attributed her hunger to feeling safe with you. Like you've created a safe spot. So I want to encourage our listeners, even some of you are prophetic and you're in a movement that doesn't look like what you thought it would be in, you would be in, and, it, and you don't have the full expression. Like maybe there's part of what you, your language of what, how you normally talk that you're having to learn how to translate it differently for the audience that God's giving you. And maybe it is causing you to morph or change or transform, but that's part of it. That's part of the journey is that God sends us to a people to serve. And if God was sending you right now to Africa, you'd be learning a different language with whatever country you went into. And that's part of going into movements or into places that you didn't expect or you don't, you're not culturized to yet. And I love Amy that you are a pioneer even in that where it's like people can look at your life and go, wow, because you went in this, you, you made a sacrifice and said, I want to go after souls. I want to go after a generation that, that brings a world harvest and I'm going to, I'm going to leverage my life and my calling for this. And because of that, you get to, you know, see a different result or a different, you know, sphere open up. And I'm just loving it. I love it. And I think it's such an example to emerging prophetic people. And I know a lot of people who listen to the show aren't just prophetic people. They're people who want to incorporate hearing God's voice in their everyday life. But it's amazing for prophetic people to hear your your testimony, which is so awesome. Well, we're we're coming to the end, but I want to hear one thing. What's the riskiest thing you've done recently in hearing God's voice? Riskiest thing recently? Well, um, I just, like I said, I just got back from Norway. Norway is a nation that I've really invested in. It was my 10th trip and third this year. Wow. And, um, the, you know, if you've been around Norwegians, they're they're amazing, but they're not the most um, sometimes expressive, uh, especially in the actual <laughs> nation. And, yeah. you know, you can have a move of God in a room and you wouldn't know it if you're watching their faces, you know. So I love them. And um, I just got asked to speak at a national gathering of actually YWAM and uh, different friends of YWAM. And that last night that I was just there, I really felt like the Lord gave me a word to challenge them on a whole nother level. But it was one of those things, if I get up and do this, this is either going to never get me an invitation back to this nation or not, or it's going to work. And, you know, when you're actually, you're at a national level of communicating to people in that way, it's definitely a risk because of the stakes of who's in the room. And uh, I just got up there and I gave it, I put my prophet hat on in this moment. Sometimes I teach, sometimes I preach. But uh, this time I, I went as the prophet and gave a word to them as a national gathering of missionaries and just in their country of what God was inviting them into in the window of time to respond to it and what the requirement would be of surrender and flexibility um, and hearing God's voice to do this. And and I, I threw down harder than I have um, in quite a while, not knowing the response in the room. And as I gave the you know, 45 minutes, you know, and as I gave wow. the, uh, the call, um, people, which is not like Norwegians, came rushing to the front. Oh. And just in this place of surrender, national leaders to, to the Lord and what God was calling their nation into. But as I'm saying on the stage, I began to get words of knowledge for um, actual locations. And I called out one word of knowledge for, a, I didn't even know what I was really talking about, of a base um, there. And little did I know that was the base that was going to, you know, that was like decreasing in numbers, possibly closing. It was kind of in a 
crisis moment and I began to call out by name that base and that God was about to visit it and that he wasn't done, you know, those sorts of things and um, just really moved more in front of them and as, as a prophet than I've allowed myself to show so far. But I knew at this 10th trip that it was really time to do it. Wow. And it paid off in the sense of God really showed up. And I would say it was, for me, one of the most um, biggest breakthroughs I've seen yet in my time in that nation. I love that. I love I love your sensitivity and I love your courage. And it's just such an example. Thank you so much for being on Exploring the Prophetic for Real. And we have to have you back on because you're an encyclopedia of stories. But how do people get a hold of you? How can people connect to you online and follow what you're doing? Um, we have a new website up, me and Philip do, called forwardmish.org. Um, you can get up there. And then, of course, with YWAM, you can just type in um, uofincona.edu and you get the YWAM Kona base. And I would encourage our uh, listeners, because Amy and Philip are missionaries, they actually live off of support, like every other kind of missionary does. So I would encourage you, if you were touched by our story today and you're like, I want to spend a season supporting, investing into C- uh, Amy and Philip, do it, do it, raise some money, because these guys are so amazing in how they live and just they live so sacrificially but amy thanks so much for being on and i just think it was so important so thank you thanks sean it's been fun so uh i uh i'll see you soon thanks for listening to exploring the prophetic podcast i'm your host sean bowles and i want to encourage you to continue the conversation with us online at www.bowlesministries.com We have exciting resources, e-courses, books, even children's materials to help you grow in the prophetic and go on a continuing journey of hearing God's voice. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate and tell all your friends. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together.